welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 210th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 703rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of April uh, 22nd, 2021. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Monday when Tamar Bates committed to Indiana and Coach Woodson. Tamar is Coach Woodson's first high school commitment and adds a level of ta- talent, top 60 or even higher, depending on the rating service, and he will help us win games. Tamar was committed uh, elsewhere until they had a coaching change, and he decided to look at Coach Woodson in Indiana. For Coach Woodson to earn the trust of Tamar and his family in such a short time is a great sign that Coach Woodson's messaging uh, is able to say, uh, close the sale on recruits. So much of us spent the day uh, Monday working on lineup possibilities and who's going to play and what the depth chart look. And then all of a sudden Tuesday hit and Miller Cop, formerly of Northwestern, commits to uh, transfer to Indiana. And just like that, the Indiana roster is at 13 scholarship players. We understand that that roster can always change in today's game and today's atmosphere. However, the 13 young men represent a move to a new type of basketball at Indiana, a roster that brings a lot of off-season excitement. Most of all, it has been great to witness Coach Woodson execute the vision that he and Athletic Director Scott Dolson agreed upon when the coaching hire was made. Now it's time to develop the players, to mesh the coaching staff, and to decide the details of the offense and the defense to get ready for November. November? It's a long way away, but when we get there, I believe it'll be a fun November, and we can't wait. Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. To my left, he is Mike Woodson of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, one of the world's most respected bracketologists and a guy who always knows how to have fun talking hoops. Fun, fun, fun. 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 He is the one and only Andy Bottoms. Andy, what's on your mind uh, this week on Indiana basketball? Yeah, another uh, another exciting week for IU between uh, the Bates commitment and, and Miller Cap, as you talked about. I know we'll talk about those as we uh, get going on the show. I thought one of the things that stood out to me was, uh, and this this certainly made the rounds on on Twitter, but uh, when Mike Woodson went back to the uh, the Knicks game uh, on Wednesday night, I believe it was, and just kind of watching the players uh, hug him and, and excited to see him and, and Julius Randle signing a jersey for him after the game. Uh, I think for a program, and we've talked about this as well, you know, the kids, the, the players came and said one of the things they really want is relationship, uh, a strong relationship uh, from a coaching perspective. And, um, yeah, I, you know, you just look at a guy like that who's been able to, to clearly make an impression on, you know, grown men in the NBA uh, and you makes you that much more, much more excited to see, you know, what he's going to do with that aspect of what he's doing in Bloomington. You're seeing that already in some of the recruiting and the guys that he's getting able to to come in and the way they seem to respond to his um, kind of straightforward, no nonsense, tell you stuff you don't want to hear uh, type thing. But you, you just uh, saw as guy after guy went through the line, uh, you know, giving him a hug and, and talking to him. Uh, just the respect that they had for him, and I think that's uh, that's really exciting, and and uh, I think speaks so much to his character, and and just being the kind of guy that uh, we're excited to have lead the program. So uh, that that to me, as much as the uh, as much as the the final two commitments, as you as you mentioned, uh, really spoke volumes this week about uh, about Woodson and and what he's trying to build here. I don't think those guys had a choice to hug or not. He he was just going to grab them and. Uh, uh, you know, show his love. That that was cool part to me. Uh, that he was just grabbing grabbing their necks and their head and pulling them in. Uh, I I enjoyed that too. Now to my right, ladies and gentlemen, he's back, uh, making his triumphant return after a long absence that included LASIK surgery. He's a senior writer at the Big Lead and San Diego's most famous Hoosier. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the. Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. 
He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, any pent up rants after your time away? Uh, you know, I, I think it's just a look. Of course, I haven't been on for a couple weeks now. I had surgery last Wednesday and doing great. Thank you for those of you who reached out wondering. It was just eye surgery and went very easily. Took 15 minutes. Recommend it to anybody. Um, but I, I just I think that the big takeaway over the last few weeks has been the amount of talent that has been added to the program. Obviously a lot of us were upset when Armand Franklin transferred away and thought, wow, it's a big loss for Indiana, especially offensively. You've got some guys who can play defense on the perimeter and uh, you know, all that stuff, but, but you were missing that sort of dog offensively, that guy you could rely on, on the perimeter. And they went out and got, you know, Xavier Johnson is in now. And then this week you add, you know, Scoop Bates and 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 you add uh, Miller Cop, you know guys who add some punch offensively. And Miller Miller Cop is basically the exact guy Indiana's been missing for the last few years. Just a guy who can sit on the perimeter and shoot. Now he can do more than that, but he's a guy who, if you want to reduce his role to just being a perimeter shooter, it changes your offense because of how much you can spread the floor with him, and you cannot leave that guy alone. And he does some other things. He's an effort guy and all that. And so I think that just the the level of talent that has been added, particularly on the offensive end, has been really encouraging. And Indiana in the roster it brings back now, it's pretty darn good if it's coached up right. And, and there's a lot of talent there. And you've got some young talent. You've got some older guys that have some experience. You have a really good mix. You're not expecting a big 10 championship in Mike Woodson's first year. It's, it's going to, you know, this is going to be a process, but at the same time, you've got a lot of talent to jump to, to get going from the jump. Whereas a couple weeks ago we were thinking, Hey, there might be a mass exodus of players, which is understandable when there's a coaching change. And then Mike Woodson's got to, you know, bring in his guys and it takes a process of a few years. You know, we knew the transfer portal would help Indiana. It would all, and it could also hurt Indiana in the long run. I think the roster is in a better place now than it was at the end of the season, if you had kept everybody, even with the loss of Armand Franklin, I just think that this is a better roster. And and it, we, they may not be done yet. You know, we don't we don't know if there's going to be any more people leaving, people coming in. We don't know. But as I sit right here, you have to be happy with how this offseason has played out for Indiana so far. And you know, now it's up to the coaches to to mold these guys how they want them and 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 take them to the next level. You know, Ryan, I think. Uh key takeaway from what you said is there's there are guys who can score and then there are guys who have scorers mentality uh, we, we've added quite a few guys some freshmen some transfers that look like they have a little bit of that attitude where give me the ball the ball is going to go in the basket and that that's something that Indiana besides in the post has not had um, for a while and in this this amount so uh, the talent level has really really picked up so here's what we're going to cover this week we'll, we'll talk about some uh, Hoosier headlines uh, it was another packed week of IU news uh, our main topic in segment two will be a Tamar Bates scouting report where Andy and I uh, pepper Ryan with some questions about the newest uh, high school recruit to commit to Indiana and then we'll end by answering your questions and there are some really solid questions from the community uh, this week uh, just really appreciate that participation all of that is coming up uh, on assembly call radio but before we jump into the Hoosier headlines I want to share a few quick words about playbook products if you haven't checked your calendar recently 2021 is moving fast which means Mother's Day is less than a month away and Father's Day is two months away well if you need a thoughtful unique gift for the sports fan in your life you really should pick out something from playbook products they offer an incredible selection of high-quality coasters and coffee mugs that feature diagrams of famous plays. For IU, it's the watch shot and key smart shot and much more. For the Cubs, it's moments from Game 7 of the World Series. For the Pacers, it's moments like Reggie Miller's 8 points in 9 seconds and silencing Spike Lee. They even have one for the Colts that commemorates the inf infamous worst play ever, Chuck Pagano's ludic ludicrous trick play attempt against the Patriots. And as you can see, they have a sense of humor and offer unique gifts that the sports fan in your life will appreciate. So go to assemblycall.com backslash the letters PP. That's assemblycall.com backslash PP and start browsing. You'll definitely find something for yourself or that sports fan in your life. And here's a bonus. When you use that URL, assemblycall.com backslash PP, they know that we sent you, so we get a 15% commission on your entire order. Go to assemblycall.com backslash PP and pick out your coasters and mugs today. That's assemblycall.com backslash PP. 
So here we go. Let's hit uh, some uh, Hoosier headlines. Um, uh, we're obviously going to talk a lot about Tamar Bates' uh, commitment uh, and get Ryan's scouting report in segment two. Miller Cop from Northwestern um, commits and adds uh, some shooting uh, to the Hoosiers. Uh, Jared did a really nice job interviewing uh, Kenya Hunter, and we appreciate Indiana allowing Coach Hunter to, to come on uh, our show. Uh, that was uh, a really good. Uh, Coach Woodson, uh, uh, Andy, you mentioned uh, the video that was going around from the New York New York Knicks, and there was a couple of them. One, Ju- Julius Randle signed a, a jersey after the game, but the before the game uh, where the players came up and hugged Coach Woodson, it was really good. Grace Berger uh, from the women's team named one of the 13 finalists for the 2021 USA Women's America team. Congratulations uh, to Grace. And then uh, Alabama makes a, a, a graphic on Twitter promoting being a number one seed from Joe Lenardi. Uh, I think off season champs, baby off season uh, champs, Andy, we need to get in the game and, and, and get a little, you know, compensation for uh, off season bracketology. If Alabama's going to, going to be doing that. So those, those are some of our Hoosier, uh, headlines, Andy, anything there in particular, uh, grabs your attention. I mean, not the bracketology one, although kudos to anybody who's doing it at this point with as much roster movement as there's been. Can you hang, can you hang a banner for that? You know, even number a, one uh, seed in a in a first uh, bracket for twenty. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I I definitely too much roster movement for me to track to even uh, hazard a guess at who would be where at this point. But yeah, congrats to them. Uh, you know, the Grace Berger thing I, I think is great. I believe they're taking twelve on the roster for the team, so she's one of you know thirteen people for twelve spots. Uh, for those who have watched her, probably not all that surprising. Uh, but some really big names on there uh, as well that uh, I watched her in the NCAA tournament. So hopefully. Uh, she makes a cut. to be a great honor and a well-deserved one for her. Uh, you know, the Miller Cop thing, because I know he's not the, the scouting report that we're doing tonight. I guess I'll, I'll linger on that one for a minute. Certainly a guy who who played some solid games against IU, but even above and beyond that, just as you looked at his skill set when he first came in the portal and the notion that uh, he might be an option for IU does really seem to fit a need. Uh, can guard you know, some different positions given his size. But really, the the closest thing to a true stretch four uh, that IU has had, and I'm not really sure how long, quite frankly. Um, and so I think that that part's exciting. I think he's a guy who can really space the floor. Struggled with the shot at times last season, uh, as you guys talked about uh, on the show earlier this week when uh, following his commitment. But a guy that really has shot it well at times. It, it feels like that's the aberration as opposed to the. Uh, to what he really is. So I, I think that's going to really pay some dividends. I don't know whether he works his way into the starting lineup, but being able to bring a guy uh, off the bench that's got some versatility, that knows the league, uh, is, is going to be really important and that can really, really space the floor and, and be the beneficiary. Uh, you know, he's a guy who doesn't do a great job of being able to create his own shot, but there's guys on this team now who can create shots for him. Uh, and if he can be able to sit there and, and knock him down, I think that becomes a really important pickup and uh, an exciting one that I know we'll talk about more as we go. But um, that that one stood out to me just because uh, he kind of brings a, a combination of skills that other guys on the roster don't really have all in the same package. Yeah, I, I uh, sorry, coach, but I just wanted to say before we moved on on him, you know, another thing he does really well makes his free throws, which is something that will be music to Hoosier fans' ears. I mean, 80, 89.6% in, in 2020, uh, 84.8% last year. Now, I think that last year also, some of the numbers, and I've been I've been talking to some college basketball guys, they think the numbers are going to be weird from last year. And, and, and not that, you know, there's no value in them, but there is going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if numbers carry over from the shortened COVID season because there was less of an offseason program, guys got out of whack, guys were training on their own, you know, and, and so we're, we're going to see aberrations in numbers. The question is, you know, does that apply to Miller Cop? I don't know. But a guy who had been a very consistent and improving shooter to kind of drop off a little bit might have had something to do with the weirdness of the season and also that he played most of his season against the Big Ten as opposed to getting maybe to rack up some numbers in non-conference games. So, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he transitions. I think that giving him the freedom to not have to be one of the top two scorers on his team may change what he does. Somebody asked me for a comparison on him. I mean, what you're expecting from him as a transfer is basically to be a bigger version of what Nicholas Isloff did, which was be the perimeter guy. You don't need to drive and score. You can post up a little bit maybe because he's six seven in a smaller lineup. Maybe you get some isolation. 
But in general, you want him to be a shooter. I mean, that is what you're bringing him in for. He's aggressive. He dies on the floor. He does all those hustle things that can really pump things up. People talk about him being a leader and, and a really smart basketball player. But in the end, if you're boiling this down to one skill, you're bringing this guy in to shoot in a four out one in system. That's what you're bringing him in for. And you look at his shot and you look at the shot form and you say that's better than the guy who shot 33% in, in 2020, 2021. You just look at the shot form and you know he's better than that. And the other thing is he won't have a top defender on him with the other guys that can surround him on the floor. So he's going to get open and he's going to have better chances to get shots. I think at Indiana, Ryan, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, he spent two years really shocking people with his ability to score. So he becomes top scouting report uh, on, on that Northwestern team. And that's not taken away. There are a couple other nice players, but you're always going to be the guy that they want to take away first. And now, now you come to where there's a trace Jackson Davis in the post and you got some other players around uh, then teams, are they going to put, you know, they got to stop TJD first, which puts other defensive emphasis elsewhere. And, and you're, well, as you know, as you know, coach, guys who can shoot on the perimeter are also going to make TJD's life a lot Absolutely. easier on the inside. You know, Absolutely. all of that. Because uh, it's just about spacing. And, and we we now have, meaning Indiana, um, that, that spacing. And, and Miller Cop um, uh, brings that spacing. I, I'd like to bring it down. I'm going to throw it to you, Ryan, for, for your thoughts. But Kenya Hunter's interview with Jared, one, I know Jared has been working on trying to get some uh, of the personnel uh, in from Indiana. So kudos out to Jared um, for doing that. And I know he's working on some other things and has some interesting things in our in our community uh, if you're interested, uh, bringing in some former players. So we're really moving in that direction. So kudos to Jared for doing that. But Coach Hunter's had a couple of media availabilities, one with us, one overall. And, boy, I really like he keeps saying pace or wants to play a little faster. I, I think those are some, some really good things to hear as far as the change uh, of what's going on. I thought he had a pretty good analysis of – of, of what happened um, uh, last year and how it snowballed towards the end. And you kind of read between the lines that, you know, a Coach Woodson personality with his ability to be real and honest, but yet be that guy who's going to grab you and give you a hug um, might have been what was needed in a COVID year when everything was kind of uh, crazy and the pressure was immense. So just uh, I really enjoyed uh, Jared's interview quite a bit, um, getting to know a little bit more about uh, the way Coach Hunter sees things. Ryan, which one of those headlines, or do you want to comment on, on that? Go ahead. You know, I think that I think it was great that that Coach Hunter came on. I, I think that, you know, I think that that's our first active assistant coach yep. or coaching interview ever in 10 years of this, more than 10 years of this show almost now. We've done 10 seasons. Uh, and I thought it was, I thought his comments about the team currently were interesting. I thought his comments about Coach Woodson were interesting. And I thought, the, again, wanting to play with pace, wanting to essentially you read through read between the lines. They want to play modern basketball, which is something we didn't see over the last four, four years. For right or wrong, whatever the system Archie Miller brought in didn't work. And I think, yeah, it's 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 high time within the bounds of the rest of college basketball and start shooting threes and start moving the ball up the court and play with some pace. Certain teams can get away with not doing that, but they have to run that system absolutely perfectly. As we've seen it, a place like Virginia, a team that didn't shoot a ton of threes this year was Gonzaga and they were amazing, but they also had incredible levels of talent and ran their system so perfectly. They didn't need to shoot as many threes as everybody else. So I think that those things can, ha can work, but you've got to be so perfect. It's a high wire act. And as you saw, you know, when Gonzaga faced some really tough teams in the final four, their system got a little out of whack and they needed to hit threes and it just wasn't there the way it could have been. And and so, again, I think that hitting threes, playing with some pace, playing modern basketball is a huge part of what Indiana's transformation under Mike Woodson has to be to, to move into that world. Now, at the same time, when you're doing that, you got to play defense, which has been missing at which was missing from Tom Crean's era where they did play modern up tempo offense and they didn't guard anybody. And, and so it's you've got to do it both ways. But I feel like, you know, listening to Kenya, it just seems like that that's what they want to do is, is get up tempo, get up the floor and play a spread out faster version of, of, of college basketball, which I think we all agree is needed. Absolutely. Okay, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, it's scouting report time. Uh, we welcome Ryan back. Uh, and he has a few of them to get caught up on. So we're going to start with the highest rated recruit to pick IU since Romeo Langford. We'll talk to Mar Bates next. Stick with us on the assembly call.
Now streaming on PBS, Philly DA, a gripping new documentary series from Independent Lens. Will reformer Larry Krasner's agenda survive clashes with police and the courts? Philly DA on PBS. Stream it now on the PBS video app. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Welcome back, everyone, except uh, Ethan Happ, to uh, the assembly call. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, Make sure you uh, go do that. Just go to youtube.com backslash assembly call. You'll get alerts when we go live. Immediate access to replays and all of the between segment yoga banner that you could ever want. Uh, and after show banter, uh, it doesn't always make it into the podcast. Plus, you can hang out with the chat mob during our live shows. There are over 3,500 IU fans already subscribed, and you should be too. Go to youtube.com backslash assembly call. I'm the coach, uh, Brian Tonsoni, uh, here with uh, Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and it's now time to get the scouting report on Tamar Bates, uh, the newest uh, recruit uh, to, to sign with Indiana. Currently number 23 at uh, ESPN, number 44 in the 247 composite ranking, and number 60 uh, in, in 247, but those uh, rankings are, are about to change, and Andy, you and I are going to uh, fire away some questions about uh, Tamar. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll take the first one. Um, let's just go right to his ability to score. How, are, how is Tamar going to score when we see him suit up for the Hoosiers um, next season? Yeah, so for everyone who doesn't know, he's 6'4", one, listed, listed at 6'4", 175 for, out of IMG Academy. Again, uh, just a factory for for great athletics down there. And so he's played some really good competition. So when you look at his video, you know that he's playing against good players. You know, when you look at film of him, he's not playing against guys in the middle of nowhere. He's playing against good competition. And he's a lefty shooter. I, I And... and he's going to score in a variety of ways coach and, and just looking at the way he played. And, and again, we don't know, you don't know if this is going to be as a freshman, this is what he can do. It's going to be, this is what he projects as doing. And he's a guy who scores at all three levels. He's a, he's a, he's a shooter from the perimeter. He can score on the mid range. And then the dude loves to get to the rim. I mean, he absolutely, he is very aggressive and coach. I know you watched, some videos. Yeah. You you can tell when a guy wants to be aggressive and, and your coaching experience, you know, when guys are, no, 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 I'm going to score. And and he's got that attitude and that mentality, something that IU has been missing for a few years. And, and I like his shot form. He does. Uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it, but it's, it's, it's sort of a modified lander sometimes where he kind of has that front leg a little more forward than it should be. So not as balanced, but it's not as it's not as dramatic as Christian Lander, and so I actually like his shot form. I think he needs to straighten it out a little bit and square those shoulders, um, but he doesn't do it every time. It's sometimes he'll sort of jab step and then shoot from there, and his his front his front foot when you jab step is ahead of the other, so he kind of overcorrects there. I think that that's again something they'll work on with him, and you can shoot like that a little bit, but it can't be exaggerated, and so. That tells me he's a young guy who sometimes it gets out of whack and gets a little exaggerated, and he leans on his on his dominant side, which a lot of guys do. Um, I, I the the ball sometimes when he shoots it sinks into his palm, and as anybody who knows about shooting knows, you got the ball on your fingertips. So sometimes when he when it rolls to his palm, I've actually seen him make shots when it rolls onto his palm, just because his release is actually really good and he gets great rotation on the ball. But when that ball sinks to your palm, you're going to line drive it because you're not getting the lift off your fingertips that you need when you shoot. So it's something to watch with him. If he's starting to line drive it, it's likely the ball is sinking down lower on his hand. He's just got to be cognizant of keeping that towards the end of his fingers. Um, but again, reps work that out and, and being conscious of it. No, off the fingertips, off the fingertips, off the fingertips, get you to start doing it. Um, again, I was really impressed with his ability to score everywhere on offense, and not only just from the three-point line, being able to drive it, being able to handle with both hands and find ways to get to the rim, finish in traffic, and his ability to pull up if he wants, and take a, take a mid-range jumper, which we know is inefficient, but dang, it's pretty sometimes, isn't it, guys? Um He's definitely he's definitely a scorer more than a passer. 
He's he's not going to be a point guard. He is going to be a combo guard scorer kind of guy. He might be able to bring the ball up in a couple years. He's not a super accomplished ball handler right now. Driving in traffic when he's trying to score, I like the way he handles the ball sort of on the perimeter. Doesn't really get aggressive with it. Um, but no, this is a guy who's coming in to be a shooting guard. He is not coming in to run your to run your point, run your program. Maybe if he stays around a couple years, he works on doing that. Um, but I think that's something he needs to work on. I like. I also offensively, I liked his vision as a passer. Uh, he's not super aggressive with his passes. He's not throwing backdoor cuts. He's not throwing lobs for other guys. But he does have some pretty good court vision already that'll need to be developed even further against Big Ten defenses. So, Ryan, as you think about what what he does well and what he needs to improve on, I guess what's the what's the thing that you think translates the best in year one at IU and and maybe something that he'll really need to to work on over over his time over the summer or whatever you, whatever you want to say. Well, the first thing he does really well is just his aggressiveness. He's going to go try and score, and he'll probably get fouled on the way. You know, I mean, more often than not, you know, there'll be some contact or something. One of the problems, and I get why Indiana went after him. One of the problems Indiana had for a long time was guys kind of looking for somebody else to go do something, and if not, we'll just defer to Trace Jackson Davis and make him shoot the ball in traffic. You know, and, and so I think that he's a guy who he gets the ball. He is exceptionally confident when he has the ball in his hands. And, and it like exceptionally confident. You can just see it on video when he gets the ball. He's not rushing. He's not like, oh, I've got to do something with it. He catches it, surveys the floor, kind of smoothly dribbles, and then boom, takes off, shoots, passes the ball, looks for openings. I mean, he is supremely confident on the court. I think that's the thing I like most about him is just his confidence as a basketball player. The thing I think he needs to work on is he's got to bulk up defensively. He's not a great on the ball, on ball defender. Off ball, he'll jump into passing lanes. He'll be aggressive. He'll go get that. I think he's got the right defensive instincts. I just think he's kind of thin right now, and he's got really good length. He's got long arms. I think he can be a good defender, but I think right now it's kind of he became he got really into that trying to find a steal as opposed to just keeping his man in front of him. And, and I think that's sort of his next level of development as a defender is just to sort of, hey, keep your guy in front of you. Don't let him body you stay low, kind of mirror his movements as opposed to being too aggressive and getting you know on a guy. We saw that with Armand Franklin as a freshman. Used a lot of hands defensively, really wanted to make a play defensively as opposed to just let the guy make a mistake or make him you know stay in front of him so he has to get rid of the ball. He has to move it to somewhere else because he can't just drive by you. So that's what I think my, my, my biggest point of development for him is going to be is just on the ball defending. Can he keep his man in front of him? Um. Your thoughts on on his athletic ability coming in and how it plays at the college level? I know there's there's just some tape out there. Uh, I I kind of saw some. You mentioned explosiveness uh, a, a couple times in a, a variety of ways, but I think he run looks like he runs the floor uh, rather well on, on both sides uh, in transition defense and in in transition offense. Your thoughts on that athletic ability and how that will play in the Big Ten? He'll get up and down the floor for sure. His athleticism, I think, I think there's another level to be unlocked in college, as we were talking about during the break. I think there is another level. He's not like, you know, Troy Williams. He's not playing. He's not living above the rim, but he plays above the rim. You know, he, he, there's, there, his, you could tell his high school team in Kansas, if you look at some older plays, ran one against, ran a play against a zone where he was on the left side. They passed it back and forth, passed it back and forth, drew the defense up, and then he would go back door for a lob. And they, you could see it several times on his film. They got that, that, that zone to step up a little bit and he would sneak in behind. He can play above the rim. He doesn't live there though. You know, he's a guy who's not going to dunk it every time he's in the lane. He's going to finish with layups. And again, being six, four, you don't expect him to, you know, he's, he's not Oladipo where, where he's going to be at that next level. But I do think there's another level of athleticism to unlock, but on that same token, Coach, the thing I know you're going to love, and it goes along, you know, when a guy knows how good he is and knows how athletic he is and knows what he can do, the thing you're going to love is he's just a dude. He is a dog. He plays hard. Potential closer? Vocal. Potential yes, closer for at some point in his career? Absolutely. And the guy, I, I, I did mark it down. Well, he's not Victor, uh, you know, athletically. What I would say about him is the guy he reminded me of based on his supreme confidence, the way he carries himself, the aggressiveness of willing to just, no, I'm taking the ball. I'm going to go score. I, he reminded me of the attitude from the attitude version. He reminded me of, of Victor Oladipo. That was that confidence, that swagger, that just, I'm going to go do this and you can't stop me. 
and the, he's a, he's a vocal guy. He's he you know he he'll lay it up and get fouled and you know scream and pump his chest and and get excited. And those again things we haven't seen at Indiana in a while. You'd see Trace do that every once in a while. Sometimes it felt like it was forced to try and pump his teammates up. But I mean, he's a guy who wants to be vocal, who wants to be sort of a, a a leader type where he is getting things done and he's letting you know about it and he's trying to bring the rest of his team along with him. And I think that, that was the thing that stood out the most to me on, on on tape was his confidence and the the way he carries himself. Because guess what? If you're confident in your ability, you're going to play better. Yep. And it's one thing we've always wanted from a guy like Rob Finnessy. If, when he looks confident, he plays much better than he does when he's questioning himself. Scoop Bates does not question himself. He knows how good he is and he knows how good he can be. And I think he knows that if he thinks he's good, he's going to be better. And so I think that was my favorite part of of watching his film. And I think that's going to translate. Now, again, you become a freshman in the Big Ten, you're bottom of the totem pole. You got to keep that attitude because if you don't, your play is going to drop. And so that was the thing I liked most about him is just he, that confidence and that swagger. It's an edge, playing with an edge as opposed to a yes. pop-in-the-collar type, look at me, I, I'm out here. It's an edge for himself and his teammates. Yeah, he he's – yeah, I, I, I like think the, that we the, haven't had edge players, yeah. Yeah, I think Go it was the, the IMG video that was out where he you know was talking about playing against guys who had all these more scholarship offers than he did and stuff like that. Yeah, he definitely – you know the the chip on your shoulder guy and uh, and all those kinds of things. So, I guess where do you hard question to answer because we don't know how any of these pieces are really going to fit together. But where do, where do you kind of see him settling into the IU rotation in his uh, in the early part of the early part of the season for sure? I think he's a guy who's grown a lot over the last year or so, so could continue to do that. But like to start the season, where do you see him slotting in? Who does he complement well on the team? Just, those those kinds of things from a lineup perspective. Yeah, and this is a tough. You're right. It's a tough question to answer. I think he's definitely going to be in the rotation as a freshman. I don't see a way you keep this kid off the floor. The question is, you know, where and 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 I would likely see him. Remember, he's coming in later. These guys are already working with the coaches and everything, so he's going to be behind the eight ball a little bit. I would say he'll probably start off on that second unit somewhere. Uh, we'll see about his development over the summer. We'll see about you know where he you know where it it goes with him how how quickly he picks up the system all of that uh you know of course there are factors we can't uh know but i think he's on the second unit because i think you need that guy with that personality and that attitude and also again it's going to depend on how the roster works itself out if this is the final version if it is assuming it is i think he's got to be on that second unit i would love to see he and lander as the guards you know on the second unit uh, playing, you know, playing a decent amount. I don't want him to play 10 minutes a game. I'm talking playing significant minutes together because I think they'd work well together. I think they'd balance each other. And then maybe you get, I don't know if Parker Stewart's going to start or not, but maybe you get a shooter on the perimeter with them and, and allow that to spread the floor, give them some driving lanes, gives them some ability, some room to work. Uh, but I, I do think he's, he's going to play. And I think that the goal would be probably year two starter, uh, almost certainly just based on his trajectory and as you said, like, you know, his attitude is of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to get better. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a complete player. I'm coming to get better, and he's already really good. I like everything about that, man. It is so good to have uh, Coach Woodson back here. You know, visiting tonight. He, he was listening, and he, he, he just, uh, he, he wanted to know what a, you know, Ryan Phillips scouting report was, and it, it's just right on, on par with uh, why he. Uh, he went after Tamar, so uh, good, good stuff, Ryan. Um, Co- Coach Woodson probably wants a player comp if I was to guess. You know, yeah. but. we might get that. In Not the third, getting one tonight in the third segment where uh, we do some subscriber shoutouts and answer your questions. So stick around with us here on the Assembly Call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.
this is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Remember, uh, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason, and much more. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. And speaking of the email list, we have an ambassador program that rewards subscribers for recommending the email list to other fans. If you get someone to subscribe, you get a shout-out on the show. Let's do two more shout-outs now um, for those subscribers. And the first one, subscriber shout-out, is from a lady who is very active inside our private discussion community and even has hopped on and co-hosted a few episodes of the show. It's Kathy Amos, uh, who lives in Des Moines, Iowa. Her favorite Hoosier of all time is Steve Alford. Uh, her assembly call leader is me, the coach, about whom she says, I think uh, he's my long-lost brother or spirit animal. You pick um, maybe just crazy uncle, Kathy, uh, would probably be uh, better. Uh, and she wants to give a special acknowledge to her Iowa husband for putting up with all her crap uh, being an IU. Kathy, we, uh, you're the best. We appreciate you. Thanks for being such a, a wonderful supporter of the show. Our second subscriber shout-out is Co- Cody Voiles, uh, who lives in Washington, D.C. Favorite Hoosier is Tom Coverdale. Uh, Cody says, seeing him put that 2002 team on his back as a young boy resonated with me and further solidified why I love IU basketball. Sure, he wasn't the greatest player stat-wise while at IU, but he's often overlooked. And IU went on over a decade before we saw that type of guard play again with Jordan Halls. Plus, I have a fun story about how I ran into him at Knicks during the epic 2012-13 season and approached him and chatted for a bit. He thanked me. Thanked me for coming to chat and said I was the only one who had recognized him all night. That bummed me out. Um, We took a shot to boost the mood. Uh, And he didn't take the who is your assembly call leader question seriously because he answered Jay Horry. Um, And that's just a mediocre response there from Cody. Um, But um, we do appreciate your support, uh, Cody, for uh, spreading the word about the email newsletter. We appreciate it uh, for everyone who uh, is uh, part of the email list and part of our uh, subscriber we'll we'll shout out some more next week and now it's time for our mailbag all questions were submitted via our private iu basketball discussion community at assemblycall.com backslash community and um our first question is from kathy um and just a real quick we'll combine her two she said does miller cop resemble mike roberts uh and i i guess i we could see that a, a little bit uh and then after uh watching i put a, a short video out on the the four out one in motion offense what what player are you most concerned with on the current roster that won't fit in um to the system or needs the biggest improvement to find a spot in the four out one in um kind of offense that has been hinted uh Andy you want to take that first and Ryan follow up on on that which player needs to make the most improvements in order to fit in uh to to that four out one in offense kind of as we see it yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to say Trey Galloway just because of the shooting component of it. I think he can't drive and be able to create things for others. But uh, if you're really trying to space the floor and do that, uh, how given how poorly he shot from three last year, albeit in relatively limited attempts, uh, that feels like the guy in the skill that, that probably needs to improve the most for that. Um, so that was the one that stood out to me, although I, I will be honest and say I have not had a chance to, to watch your uh, coach's corner on that yet. But uh have it have it in my inbox still to uh, to go and take a look, but uh, yeah, Trey would be the guy for me. Yeah, I would agree with Trey Galloway. Just to give another answer, I'll say Ray Thompson. I think he needs to be able to hit a jumper. If if yep, that know, was the other one I thought of too. Yeah, if you're facing a big front line and you got to have both he and Trace out there, you know, I I think that Race can handle the ball on the perimeter a little bit, and I think that he can do some things on the perimeter. And even we saw him kind of drive in and shoot some floaters this year. He's got to expand his his game though. And he's got to be able to hit a jumper. If, if you're really going to fit in alongside trace against those big front lines of the big 10, I'm just going to go to that stretch four position. Totally. You know, race can guard and he's one of our best hustle players and a guy you want out there, but he's got to be a threat from three in a pick and pop situation. And then if you put Hunter and cop there, then are, can they guard bigs and block out and, and guard down low? If they're, if they're man, they're power forward, uh, with some of the bigger schools. So it's going to be interesting to see what combinations of, of, you know, people get into that stretch four and, and, and how much of a threat that is. Cause you really need it. As we've seen, if you don't have four other threats on the outside, that lane really becomes, uh, 
you know, tough to navigate. Uh, Bob Thompson, uh, and I take it to Bob Thompson, our, our musical director here for uh, the Assembly Call, asked this three years from now, what do you think uh, we will identify as? What, we will, we, what will, will we hang our hat on as a program? Defense, high-tempo offense, or banners? Ryan, we'll send that one to you first. I think it's going to be an efficient offense. I don't know about high tempo. Uh, you know, Mike Woodson is, you know, high tempo in relation to wherever. I, if we're top 100, that's an, a massive improvement, you know, or top 150, it's a massive improvement. Uh, I, but in the NBA, his, his offenses weren't super high tempo, but they were efficient. They were very efficient. They didn't take bad shots, didn't turn the ball over, didn't do things like that. I think we'll be more high tempo than we are, but I'm not looking to, you know, be, they're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be Alabama. You know, uh, just running constantly and throwing lobs and all that. I don't think that's what what we're going to be. But I would say an efficient offense is what we're going to hang our hat on. I think they'll play defense too, but I think that will be the thing that stands out. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I know Woodson's talked about you know the importance of defense and and the way that he was guarding ball screens in the NBA and some of those kinds of things. I think they're going to be good uh, defensively, but I, I think. Uh, I, I tend to side with Ryan in that. And if we're talking off the court stuff, I mean, I hope that it's kind of the the family atmosphere that he's trying to build. Um, talking off to, you the know, court, non, I agree. Yeah, yeah, non basketball stuff. I think that's really what has come through pretty clear. Uh, and that that means a lot less if if you're not winning a bunch of games when the time rolls around. So now we're at the time of, of year when that means a whole lot. Uh, but I do think just the the atmosphere he's building and the pride in the program. Uh, is something they'll be able to hang their hat on. At least I hope so. For me, Bob, it's it's a combination of all of that where that vision that Scott Dolson talked about in order to bring Mike Woodson in and that Mike Woodson is now executing very well, that, that is what people are talking about. And, and the IU back towards the Blue Blood uh, program, uh, I don't think you need banners to that. You just need consistent deep runs and consistent com- you know competition and high-level Big Ten uh, results to do that. That would be That would be my hope. Uh, next question, David, uh, do you guys anticipate any more transfers out with the influx of talent coming in this year? Um, Andy, you want to take a shot at that one real quick? I, I I guess I wouldn't be stunned as the cupboard is is loading up a little bit that, that you may have some of that, but I don't know that there's anything that we've heard that might be imminent or anything like that. But I, I do think you could see situations where – you know, you're looking one through 13 and, and as you're bringing in different guys, um, there, there are players you might be able to tell yourself have a, have a tougher road to playing time if, if, if they want it. But I also think there's competitive guys out here and they're going to be given the chance to earn those minutes. So uh, I wouldn't be stunned, but I don't know that anything is, uh, is going to happen too soon. But uh, I, I, you could certainly tell yourself a story. I mean, the same way we talked about it a little bit with Joey Brunk, whether it's the style of the offense, the other guys at the position, things like that. You, you, if you wanted to craft the story for a couple guys, I think you probably could. Uh, we're going to go yeah. next. Oh, d- go ahead. I was, no, I, was, I agree. I just agree yep. with ex- everything that Andy said. Oh, that, boy, that was painful to say. <laughs> I know. It's not everything. easy. <laughs> no. Um, what do you guys see as the floor and the ceiling for this team this year? And um, who do you think will have the key cont- contributions to reaching that ceiling? Uh, Ryan, we'll go with you first. Uh, ceiling is probably top four in the big 10, uh, you know, competing in that top group. I don't think you can say big 10 champion cause we just haven't seen them on the floor yet, but I think, I think what we expect top four in the big 10 easily making the NCAA tournament. I mean that there's enough talent to do that. The question is the transition to the new system. All that floor is probably on the bubble. I think, I don't think it'll be any lower than that, but firmly on the bubble, maybe eking your way in. And that's just, if things don't go well, you know, with, with the transition to the new, like everybody doesn't fit, but I, I think that obviously Trace Jackson Davis is going to be a huge part of anything that happens with Indiana this year. Uh, I think that that a guy like Miller Cop will have a big impact as well, uh, and the development of Christian Lander is going to be important. You know, where does he slot into the lineup? You know, with with Xavier Johnson in, does he how, does he start? Is he on that on that first unit or is he on the second unit? Uh, where does that go? So uh, there's a lot of questions to answer with this lineup based on pure talent. And the guys they've got running the program, and I'm including Thad Mata in there, you got to think this team is going to be pretty darn good. Andy? 
Yeah, I think the I, I would agree on the ceiling of of top four in the league. Um, that, that's a little bit. Yeah, you know, a lot of this is hard to assess without knowing what the rosters are really going to look like and um, some of the scheduling and all that. But I think that's uh, I think that's fair if you look at it that way. There's been a lot of of talent leaving the conference for sure, and and you know some talent coming in a lot lots of IU's roster. So yeah, on the on the low end, yeah, I mean you you feel like maybe you're. I don't think things would get to where they were last year, so maybe the bubble uh, is the is the right way to look at that. In, in terms of players, uh, Lander I think is the one that comes to mind, just because the recruiting pedigree would suggest there's a lot of room for uh, for growth there. So he probably fits that bill. Although I would say Parker Stewart uh, would be another one that I think will speak to that a little bit. He's a guy that's uh, you know again if he shoots the ball as well as they're talking about with you know thinking back to the Kenya Hunter media availability coming in saying hey he hit you know, 20 to 21 threes or whatever it was, you know, if he, he's really able to step in and be a reliable shooter and, and scorer from the guard position, I think that does so much for the overall guard depth of the team. And, um, you know, would provide, you know, just from an experience standpoint, um, you know, him being, being around a couple of different programs and, um, and things like that. So I'll, I'll throw him in that mix as well from a, a player who may go a long way toward dictating what that will be. So, so for me, I think, a. a, a a good acceptable season is the top seven in the Big Ten at, at any place, and Indiana could compete for any spot in that top seven and an NCAA tournament berth. Um, we would like to see it in the top four. We'd like to see you know a top five, six seed maybe in the NCAA tournament get back there. I think we're headed in that direction. The question is, is it next year or is it the year after or at what point in this transition uh, do do we get there? And the worst case scenario is you you play well enough to just be left out, uh, depending on who you play in the you know, in the preseason, not preseason, but in the non-conference. And, you know, luck has a little bit to do with it. You know, the ball bounces a couple ways. I think that's the possible floor is I think obviously things are going to be better. Uh, I think there's no doubt about it being better. But when you get, you know, and Andy can attest to this, and Ryan, you followed a lot too, that Making a tournament is a is a pretty good deal, and it, and it can't be a given every year. You got to go out and earn it. And there's still some questions of on the floor stuff that have to be figured out with a new coach and new players uh, in order to 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 be that comfortable. I would be shocked if we weren't in the tournament. I may probably just disappointed, uh, but I'm not looking at you know top four seed type of team. One one thing, um, I just want to beat Purdue once. <laughs> just beat Purdue once. For the love of God, beat Purdue once. That's what I want next year. Once. Because you know what? If you're beating Purdue next year, who That's pretty good. Pains me to say it. They're gonna be pretty good. If you're beating Purdue, you're you're having a pretty good season, I think. Eric asks, we are we are now in a, a, a good spot, uh, I think, uh, with quite a bit of depth at certain positions. How do you see this being managed to ensure we have good game plan but also maintain a healthy team dynamic? Andy, um, you know, are there enough basketballs for the 13 scholarships uh, uh, to go around, in essence, is is the question. I do think that's going to be a challenge uh, at this point, given who they brought in. But I also feel like everything you, you hear about Woodson and the conversations he has, I don't know that he's, uh, you know, guaranteeing people anything and, and not not promising things that he's not going to be able to, to, to give in terms of, just giving them a chance to compete for for minutes and things like that. I I am a little bit curious. You know, the NBA has so much of the you know kind of a set rotation at times of guys and 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 groups of guys that are playing together um, in a shorter game and you know different timing in terms of when you know TV timeouts come and things like that. I don't really know how transferable something like that would be to the college game, but. I am a little bit intrigued as he comes back, whether that's something he would consider or experiment with or something like that, where you get guys that are used to playing together uh, and, and be able to create some benefits there. I'm just not sure that the you know 20 minute half is very conducive to that, but um, a little bit intrigued at least to see if that might be a way that you could do it and manage some of that. But I do think he's going to have his hands full a bit with that, assuming everybody sticks around, you know, to kind of circle back to the other question about potential transfers and things like that. But um that's a, a good problem to have, I, I suppose, comparative to um, you know, to previous seasons. So, Ryan, thoughts on? Yeah, it's going to be tough. And and Mike Woodson's been on the planet for what sixty three years. He's going to use all the wisdom he's gathered in that time to figure out 
the calculus on keeping this roster together and, 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 and outfitting it properly and rotating guys properly and figure out who should be playing and who shouldn't be all that. That's tough. That's really tough. And, and that's one of the hardest jobs a coach has is, you know, I know he didn't recruit all these guys, but let's just put it, you know, he, he kept them. So recruiting guys and then not playing them is really hard. It's really hard to do for a coach. And, and you think that, you know, when a guy's on the bench, I remember Romeo Lang uh, or uh, 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 Christian Lander being on the bench last year and people were just like, why isn't he playing? He's like, you, you don't think he wants to, Eric Miller wants to be playing Christian Lander right now. He just doesn't think he's ready. And, and whether he was ready or not, whether he was right or not, it had to be killing him to get a five-star point guard and not feel like he could use him. And, and that's, that's the tough part on coaches. And again, well, I don't, I'm not saying Archie Miller was right in not playing Lander, but when coaches have guys, they want to use them. They have them for a reason. They put them on the roster for a reason. They keep them on the roster for a reason, and they want to be able to use them. So I think that that's the toughest part is figuring out who to play and who not to play because you want to play everybody. You wish you could play everybody, use every skill you've got at your disposal, but you know sometimes when some guys are on the floor and other guys aren't, you're losing something. So how often can you keep them on the floor and justify it? I think from from my perspective, um, his honesty, I think he's just straightforward. He's here at Indiana to finish his career and to bring Indiana back to where it belongs, and he's going to have honest conversations. And sometimes when you care about people, you got to have tough conversations. And that might mean you're going to not play a lot this year, and we want you here. And, and, and at times that might lead to transfers out, uh, but he's going to be honest. Uh, he was coached honest by Coach Knight. Uh, and he's had to be that way in the NBA. You know, there's a lot of egos in the NBA, and and to build, you know, what he did at uh, the playoff teams at Atlanta and New York, he had to mesh a lot of egos together. So if anyone has that experience, um, I, I think it's uh, it's Archie. So uh, now Jeff asked, do you think Coach Woodson will play small at times? And I assume that's like a cop at four and Hunter at four with the post player, uh, much like the NBA, to create mismatches uh, on the open floor. Uh, Ryan, do you think the lineup will have uh, – that kind of uh, feature next year, and, and what's the pluses and minuses if they do? Yeah, I do think they'll go small at times, but I think they'll go small at times when, you know, they're not going to take Trace out when there's a big man on the floor that they can't guard. You know, I mean, I think they, they're going to be careful with it, but we saw times this year, you know, Race running as the five. We saw, you know, times where he was out and Trace was out and Hunter was was playing in the post a little bit. I mean, they'll be able to mix and match, and and Cop played on the block a little bit too, offensively and defensively. So I think that, you know, Geronimo, we saw play some post defense this year. I, you know, so they'll be able to do that, and I think he will do that, certainly, to get some more speed, maybe be more up-tempo. Maybe you put, you know, a guy like, lander out there with you know Bates and and some small guys and you just go run and and maybe you get shooters like parker stewart and anthony leal spotting up in the corners and 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 cop is your fifth and you do some screening action to get him on a on a on a pin down and pop out against a big man who's not gonna be able to get out there quickly you can certainly do that and and i think i expect him to go small at times i expect him to mix lineups to an incredible degree because guess what they do that in the nba and they, they also, in the NBA, one thing they do is a lot of matchup stuff. And they put guys one-on-one. They want they isolate guys one-on-one who they want to be one-on-one as opposed to just running your system and finding it through the system in college. They will set up entire lineups just to get mismatches and, and screen and roll and all those things to get mismatches. And I expect them to do a lot of that. And so whether it's going big, going small, whatever, I think him, he, I expect him to adjust to get the matchups he wants. Andy. Uh, yeah. I think there's enough combinations to do that. You know, how small they really get is, you know, is playing cop at the four considered playing small, probably, you know, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. There's, um, but I could see them rolling out lineups with that. You know, so a little bit of Hunter at the four last year. So in that regard, I think you, I think you'll see it um, as matchups allow for it, and as you start to see guys settle in and really be able to shoot, what combinations work well together. Uh, I think there's definitely a place for it if you can, uh, if you can do that. And they're also going to have to see how defenses start to you know play against them, and that's going to take a little bit of time as well. You know, defenses aren't going to have a, any film on what a Mike Woodson coach team is going to look like, so you're probably going to be able to you know, experiment a little bit early on, figure out how teams are going to play you, how teams are going to play trace more 
specifically, uh, and then figure out how you adapt to, to what you can do to best complement him uh, outside of you know what he brings inside. The talent on this team is is really good to go small. Um, y- Race has got to get his minutes because he's our best competitor, a good rebounder, and, and a good defender. Uh, but boy, the the one two punch at the five is just fantastic. But there's not enough minutes for for Race only backing up Trace when he's out of the game. So you're going to have to play him at the four to get him his twenty twenty three minutes, whatever uh, Race is going to get. So that goes back to that stretch four. Whatever he decides to do with that stretch four, is it a smaller player? Is it a bigger player? That's going to be the most interesting thing for me. But I am looking forward to playing a lot smaller. I think it's a guards game. I think it's a perimeter game. I think it's a shooting game with a little bit of inside, and I'm glad we're we're moving to that. Uh, I'm going to ask Bill's question. I'll, I'll take this. If anyone wants to jump in on that, you can. It's a, it's about Coach Woodson. Uh, if you're Coach Woodson, what would you tell assistant coach Dane Five concerning his already explicit overtures that he wants to be the head coach someday? Undoubtedly, that kind of talk risks creating tension between him and the other two assistant coaches and possibly even Woody himself. Put on your Coach Woodson hat. Tell me what you think he would say. First of all, if he, if he hired Dane Five, he's pretty sure that Dane Five's going to be loyal to Coach Woodson, and I think that pretty much ends that question. And at any time, that any assistant at any level um, is more interested in themselves. The second thing you say is, if I'm Coach Woodson, is thanks. Because you want guys to be hungry enough to do their work, to come in and watch film, to do a good scout, to be successful, and to be named as one of the best possible assistant coaches out there. Because whether it's Indiana or another college job, uh, you you really you want assistants to be hungry. Uh, I've been told that uh, by by high school coaches, while they would love staff continuity. Uh, if your staff is good enough to, to be asked to go be head coaches or, or coach elsewhere, then you, you really have a good staff. That happens in football. That happens everywhere else. You, you'd love to keep everyone together. So Dane Fife is an IU guy. He was brought here for the right reasons, and, and Dane is a straight shooter uh, and will do uh, a job. He's also been a head coach, so he knows uh, what, what to bring a head coach. Any, any thoughts on uh, that, that whole coach-in-waiting stuff? Um, do you think it affects the coaching staff at all? Yeah, I think if you're, I mean, I think if you're Woodson, I mean, you clearly know Fife came out and, and said, you know, this was, he had, you know, put in for the head coaching job, wanted it, whatever. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's another guy who like Woodson has a lot of pride for the program and is able to do that. And again, I don't think you have him on staff if you have concerns that he's not going to be loyal to you or, or doing other things. And Fife doesn't certainly seem like that kind of guy anyway. So I, I think if you want to really spin it, you could say, hey, it's a great thing because he cares enough about the program that he wants to be in charge of it in the same way that he does and kind of shepherd it through this this period of time and and potentially a guy that you could hand the keys to at some point uh, and, and, and feel comfortable doing that and be able to impart on him the way that you feel like things need to run. And if it works, something else that he can take with him as he does it. So I, I don't really feel like there's controversy there uh, in my view. Uh, I probably appreciate the candor, if nothing else, knowing that Fife had wanted it. Uh, that's out in the open and, and whatever else. But Fife has seemed to be nothing but completely bought into everything that's going on in any conversations that he's had since then. So to me, it doesn't feel like anything to worry about uh, at this point if I'm in Woodson's shoes. And uh, Ryan, anything, or we want to move on to the last question? I, I just I, look. He wouldn't. He wouldn't have hired Fife. Yeah. He, I mean, he knows Fife wants to be the coach at Indiana eventually. Like, but. Fife also knows taking that job. It's going to be a long time if things right. go well. And if things don't go well, Fife's going to get fired along with the rest of them. You know, I mean, so he, of course, knows the situation. Fife wants to be the coach at Indiana. Cool. When a Woodson retire, I mean, it, it all goes well. Woodson retires. Maybe Fife takes over, you know, so it's obviously I people talking about that being, you know, creating tension. They both know what they're in for here. Yeah. And if at, at best for the best case scenario for Fife is that, Woodson is wildly successful. He's here for 10 years and decides to step down and Fife takes over. That is the best case scenario for Dane Fife. Maybe maybe six to 10 years. That's the best case scenario. So he's not going to try and undermine Woodson because guess what? If Woodson fails, Fife's going to be gone too. So it, it, I mean, it doesn't make sense that he would undermine it. And last question and we'll get out of here uh, tonight, everyone. Coach Woodson has started. This is from Josh. Coach Woodson is starting to resemble a more relaxed version of uh, Coach uh, Tom Allen, especially with that Knicks video. It took Allen a couple years to really get things rolling with the football team. Uh, are we as a fan base internally creating expectations too high for Woodson's first season at the helm due to excitement surrounding the re- uh, recent recruiting wins? We kind of 
discuss that in the in the floor ceiling thing. But are are we uh, jumping the gun a little bit too much uh, with the excitement of all the good things that have happened? Well, the difference is that Tom Allen didn't have the roster that Mike Woodson has, and you can't win without players. You know, you can be the greatest coach in the world. You don't have comp- competitive players. You're not going to win. And so I think that's the difference is it took Tom Allen a while to build up the roster, to recruit the guys he needed, and to get the coaches around him that he needed. Woodson has the coaches. He's got Thad Mata helping him out. He's got players. I mean, they, they, you know, they have the things that you need to compete now, whereas Tom Allen was pretty much building from the bottom. Well, I think the other thing is you just have a, a natural enthusiasm for the program that you didn't have in football. So a lot of what Allen had to do was also to not only get the talent in, as you said, Ryan, but to be able to manufacture in some ways the enthusiasm needed for the program. I think IU already has the enthusiasm right now based on, you know, all the interactions that we've had and, and, and the way the you know last month or so has gone. So I think you've got a little bit of that. I, I do think, and, and we could probably look back at every off season, no matter who the coach was that we've really uh, can talk ourselves into the, the idealized version of so many different guys. So uh, I don't know that that's unique to Woodson, I wouldn't say. Um, but I do think there's, there's, there's a little bit of that just because I think you can look at the pieces really well, but you don't know how they're going to fit together under, you know, even normal circumstances, let alone kind of learn a new system. And maybe the, the, the learning the new system is the thing that really equals that out. And it isn't, you know, Archie's guys versus anybody else because everybody's in the same boat uh, trying to learn things and figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to play. Uh, but that, that to me is the potential concern where the, the sum is not greater, uh, you know, than the, than the pieces. But, um, but I think, I, I do think there are some differences there, but. Yeah, I just, I always, uh, you know, I will say to be careful uh, with how high you set the, your expectations. Uh, it's okay to want to compete for the Big Ten champion and, and, and be a top four seed, and those are our goals. So those expectations are good. But it often takes time for a new coaching staff to mesh together themselves to get the players in. And like we said, every one of the players comes in, offers better talent, but they also have areas that they need to work on in the offseason. And very rarely do all 13 reach, like Andy said, their ideal version of play. I just think the excitement is good. We should we should jump on board and 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 be glad that Coach Woodson's here, and, and really enjoy it. Uh, and that's why I said I, I'm looking at a at a top seven, and hopefully it's it's closer to the top than to the seven. Uh, and, and just to get, I want to see Indiana called on Selection Sunday and go on a show and and, and talk about it. Uh, it's been since 2016 since we've had that ability here on the show to do that. Um, and maybe that's just too low expectations, but get me in the darn thing, um, you know, uh, and, and hopefully, uh, at a higher seed. So, um, that's it. We're done. No more questions. Well, that's going to do it for uh, this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week or sooner if any news breaks. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. And that's the truth. Thanks, Coach Woodson. Thanks, Chat Mob. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Andy, for uh, joining us. A really good show. Pretty efficient in our time. We had a lot of great questions there um, from the community. Really appreciate that. That helps with our our segment three. Ryan, great to have you back. Glad everything went well with the surgery. How many fingers? I can do I actually have? see, guys. Two. You got, yeah, that four. Right? Four. No, All right. Two. Very good. Two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Padres had a no hitter. We haven't talked about that. They did. They did. I. I've, and then got swept got by the Brewers. Yeah, that was rough. Our offense is struggling right now. But Joe Musgrove comes home. Great story. Potters had not had a no-hitter in uh, the length of the franchise, which was 8,205 games. In 8, they were the only team in Major League Baseball never to have one. Eight, game 8,206, Joe Musgrove, who's from San Diego, grew up here, just came back to his hometown team uh, and grew up idolizing Jake Peavy as a Padre and all that stuff, threw a no-hitter, which was – Amazing. 
So somewhat, uh, that was that was a fun night. Somewhat because of you, and and more so because of the talent that has gone to San Diego. I am now watching San Diego baseball almost every night on the MLB package, and uh, I love the uniforms. Haven't, haven't had much to watch lately, Coach. No, they're, they, uh, they're struggling. Know, it's, it's, they're know, injured right now, and and they've got some, they got some injuries, you and uh, and you know Tatis hasn't really hit his stride yet because he started the season, then got hurt, and then he's kind of back, but he's he's struggling. They don't have their catcher. You know, I mean, so there's just sort of some up, ups and downs right now. And, it's so much better uh, we'll talking see. baseball with you than uh, than Andy and and Jeff Marlowe about those Cincinnati Reds and and the, <laughs> the and, and the uniform oh the uniforms are even better. You know, so um, gotta love that brown baby. Gotta love right. that brown pinstripe brown. Oh yeah, oh, that is beautiful. I'm in, I'm in no position to talk about the Reds. They did get swept in a three game series where their starting pitchers gave up a total of two earned runs. I saw that. Oh man! And they scored, bullpen. and they scored twenty runs. The bullpen is just an absolute tire fire. Yeah, <laughs> we've more potters are that way early last base, year too. Baseball Weekly oh, assembly call into Baseball Weekly. It's terrible. I mean, I, I, I you guys I, don't year, even know I, that you show. Set out to to want to I do out. this weekend. This weekend week week. baseball. This weekend sure. baseball. You're too young, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. To remember that? No, no I saw I'm that when this. I was a kid. All right, all right. very good. All right, everybody. Love you all. All right. Thanks, Chat Mob. Thanks, everybody. Great show. We'll see you right, next we'll week. All right, we'll see you guys later. All righty, we'll see you. Mexico is more than a country. It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico. Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.